Welcome to Sparkplug, where we talk to smart people working at the intersection of business and technology. Brought to you by Snowshoe, making mobile locations smarter. This is the first part of a two-part conversation with Matt Bloomberg, the author of Startup CXO, a field guide to scaling up your company's critical functions and teams. Uh, Matt is a serial entrepreneur, successful startup CEO, and he's drawn on his, his deep experience to explain the roles and functions of team members and help startups to scale fast. Welcome, Matt. So great to have you. To start off, in a nutshell, will you tell us about your journey writing your new book? What's what's your story? I'm happy to give you a little bit of background on me first. I, um, I, I've basically been running uh, tech businesses since 1995, uh, internet businesses since 1995. And um, I spent uh, the first five years of that sort of during the dot-com uh, boom um, building an internet business inside of another company. Uh, it was a, a company called Movie Phone, uh, if uh, anyone remembers the 777 film phone service, uh, which had gotten started in the late 80s. Um, I joined the business and started the internet part of the business and was GM of it for 95, 6, 7, 8, 9. Um, after uh, we sold uh, Movie Phone to AOL, I left and started a company in the email space called Return Path, uh, which I uh, built over the course of two decades uh, with uh, an amazing team and a phenomenal uh, group of investors and board members um, to a fairly uh, good scale as startups go. We were about uh, 500 people and about 100 million in sales uh, at the end. Uh, we sold that business in 2019. And then a group of us from Return Path started a new company uh, called Bolster. Uh, so I've spent lots of time building businesses over the years, lots of time mentoring uh, other uh, CEOs as well, first-time CEOs and, and early-stage CEOs. So your startup history really gave you a range of experience to share with our, our Sparkplug audience of entrepreneurs and business decision makers. Uh, can you tell us more about what you learned running Return Path? What was Return Path all about? Um, so the product at Return Path was um, a product in the email technology space, and it was all about making sure that um, email didn't get blocked and filtered by mistake, um, which uh, sounds like a small and quirky thing, but it's actually a big problem. Anytime you go through your spam folder, you probably find five things or 10 things that you know should, shouldn't be there. They should be in your inbox. And for um, email marketers, that, that's an enormous problem or, or um, media companies that are sending out email to their customers. So we built a, a fairly significant business that was really a data and analytics business um, around understanding the scope of the problem and figuring out how to, uh, how to solve the problem. Uh, so it was a, it was a B2B um, software or SaaS business, um, heavy, heavy analytics and data science. Um, and uh, I would say the second part of the return path story, though, was building the company and building the organization and the culture. And uh, my team and I were just obsessed for 20 years about um, being a fantastic place to work. We used to say we wanted to be the best job anyone ever had. Um, we were very deliberate and very intentional about scaling ourselves as leaders, about scaling the organization, about not just being a great place to work, but about being a different kind of place to work and really um, being thoughtful and investing a lot in people's development and careers and growth. Uh, and that part of the story, um, you know, was, was very important to who I am as a leader and, and who our team was. Um, and it led us to do some really interesting things in the workplace and some interesting things along the way, including 
uh, creating um, a new company that we spun out of Return Path uh, and uh, turned into a nonprofit that still exists today as an independent nonprofit called Path Forward, um, which helps um, uh, it helps moms get back into the workforce after they take a career break, uh, and helps work with employers of all sizes to create. Um, programs uh, and to sort of change their hiring mindset around that kind of talent. Um, so, th- so that type of thing was always very top of mind for us at Return Path, and really led to, um, in a lot of ways, to the uh, the founding of, of Bolster, which is a completely different kind of business. It's not an email business; it's a, a human business. Yeah. Well, back in the 1990s, when you started too, the world of software was pretty cutthroat. So, at that point in time, what you were doing was really changing the game. In terms of how you treated people, could you tell us more about what led to that difference in emphasis? Yeah, um, thanks for recognizing that. I I always feel like a lot of the things that we did at the end of Return Path or we do today are kind of table stakes now, although I don't think they're table stakes. I still think they're they're, um, unique, but, but in 1999, they weren't, they really weren't done. And um, you know what? What led to that was the the combination of the the three jobs that I had had coming out of college before I started Return Path. I worked at three different uh, types of companies. They were all you know sort of knowledge economy type companies, right? Management consulting, venture capital, and and a tech and media company. But I noticed across all three that the relationship between the business and the employees was not what it should be. And all three of them kind of said the same had the same language. You know, our people are our most important asset, or our assets walk out the door every day at five o'clock, or something like that. Um, uh, but they didn't necessarily behave that way, um, or they behaved that way selectively. Um, you know, sure, they created training programs, um, but they didn't trust their employees, right? Mm-hmm. Or they created training programs, but only for senior people, or they did something, but not something else. And I, you know, I just kept in this, this sort of list in my head of, I'm going to start a company someday and we're going to do this different. So did that lead to the creation of your first book, Startup CEO, and then this next book, that kind of note-taking and that type of um, notes to yourself about how to do things? A, a little bit, yeah. The, um, the, the, I started writing a blog uh, in 2003 or 2004, um, which was pretty early. I mean, blogging sort of started a- around then. And um I wrote a blog that's now called startupceo.com. It used to be called Only Once. And that was about me documenting the experience and um, uh, and documenting both big things and small things uh, and really wanting to share that uh, the journey and the experience with uh, with others. The original name for the blog Only Once came from, um, uh, came from another blog post that one of my longtime board members and friends wrote um, called You're Only a First-Time CEO Once, which is basically his way of saying, it's okay to make a lot of mistakes, you know, along the way. You're going to learn as long as you don't make the mistakes more than more than one or two times each. Um, so the blog, which is now startupceo.com, has uh, you know I don't know probably well over a thousand posts in it um, about the experience and about you know sort of how to do different parts of the job. So so the book Startup CEO, um, which I first came out in 2013, and then I did a second edition last year in 2020, is really a how-to guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. It, I, I like to say it's the book I wish someone had handed me when I started my company, because n- no one teaches you how to be a CEO of a startup. Someone teaches you how to be the CEO of General Electric because you're like the number two person and you're being groomed for the job for years. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had had a job of being a GM of an internet business for, for four years or five years. Like that sounds like it's good training for being a CEO until you're actually a CEO and you realize that, you know, a few things, but you really only know a few things. So. Right. Right. Um, it's not exactly the same job. And one phrase that you use throughout the book is the operating system of a startup and the way that, that, that a CEO can kind of set the tone and can set up systems and, and modify those systems over time to help the company be, be more effective. Mm-hmm. So, so for you, you're kind of designing an operating system as a CEO. Yeah. And, and, you know, both a personal operating system, how I'm going to function and then a company operating system, how the company is going to function. And, um, you know, I, I find that being intentional about, um, you know, being intentional about that is, is 80% of the battle. Um, and, uh, um, th- so that's what startup CEO is all about. It's, you know, how to do, I think it's 65 chapters and it's literally how to do 65 different facets of the job of CEO. Right. So Matt, you said this book came out of a blog and I'm just curious, and this is totally a leading question here because Ned and I are both big book lovers and Ned's an author himself, but why write a book? Some people might say that a blog these days would be um, just as useful. Why do you think that entrepreneurs and, and business people should be reading books in addition to blogs? I always have. Um, I, I'm a voracious reader and, um, you know, I love business books and, um, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's both. Um, not everything in the book is on my blog and not everything on the blog is in, in the book. And there's, you know, there's something about, um, and I, I, you know, I do plenty of reading on, on the Kindle for sure. Um, but there's something about a particularly a reference oriented book. And that's really what startup CEO is, right? It's a 65 chapter, you know, you don't have to read it front to back. You can, but it's not, a, it's not a story so much as it is, um, you know, a, a series of linked, um, lessons. There's something about having the, the reference book sitting on your desk. Uh, and you know, I it, uh, I talk to CEOs regularly, particularly my current job, where we're engaged with uh, startup CEOs all the time, um, where I'll get on Zoom with them and they'll pull out the the hard copy of startup CEO with like all the post its sticking out of it and pages dog eared. And um, you know, I think there's there's something there's something that's that's different about that experience. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think authors usually or often say that they often write the book that they wanted to read. And it sounds like you had that same experience. Yeah. Who do you think uh, the right audience is for this book? Is it only startup CEOs or is there a broader audience that, that uh, would it would resonate with as well? Yeah, I think startup CEO and then, you know, we'll talk about the next book. But startup CEO is for CEOs or people who are on executive teams um, and, you know, Maybe they're aspiring CEOs, maybe they're brand new executives and they want uh, just more insight into, you know, hey, what does my boss do all day? And, you know, what are the things that he or she is going to care about and how should I think about that in my own my own development or my own job? Right. So one thing I found fascinating about this book is that you're kind of stretching out beyond just the role of the CEO. With CXO, you're covering a number of different roles. Um, so when you thought about this book, I, I assume that you started consulting people who you respected who have worked in those roles, right? Is that how the book uh, kind of germinated and came together? Yeah, the the idea with Startup CXO is, as you said, it's a book of books. Um, so it's, it's like a mini version of Startup C- CEO for each function uh, in a company or each major leadership function in a company with some upfront material and connective 
tissue that I wrote um, uh, to uh, to sort of keep keep uh, the, the book hanging together. Um, but uh, yeah, I could never have written this book by myself, or it would have taken a really really long time. The book is actually written by nine or ten of us. Uh, and you, you're not allowed to have 10 author names on a book, so it, it has mine. But um, each section of the book is written by a different executive with 20 to 30 years of experience running that function. Um, and so, so the, the first you know, 25 chapters are written by um, Jack Sinclair, who's a career CFO and also COO, but uh, he was my co-founder, both at Return Path and at Bolster. And that is 25 chapters of how to be a CFO of a startup. Right. What are the what are the 25 main things you need to do? And so each section um, is written by a different person. It's in a different voice. And what's interesting about it is um, uh, everyone who wrote a section or or co-authored a section was on the leadership team at Return Path. Um, Many of them are also on the leadership team and the founding team of Bolster, uh, my new company. Um, But that's not the only experience that all of them had. Um, you know, 20 or 30 years in business. And for the most part, uh, you know, return path was five or 10 years of that. So they have that executive experience at lots of different companies. So it's interesting when you read different people's narratives is there's a piece of each one that kind of hangs together really nicely, but then each one does have its own unique elements. Um, my longtime chief people officer, Kathy Hawley, who wrote the HR section, for example, um, her first uh, job in HR was running HR for a truck stop. And I couldn't talk about a more different kind of business than uh, working for a tech company. Um, so uh, each of the authors sort of brings their own personal narrative to it, as well as some uh, shared set of experiences. That's so great. And it really struck me that it was a collaborative process to write this book. And you talk at the beginning about how success in business is also a collaborative process. It's not just the CEO making all the decisions. Uh, and you mentioned Jack Sinclair and Kathy Holly both wrote sections and, and Nick Badgett and Holly Enerking wrote the chief marketing officer section. Can you talk to us about that process of recruiting all of these collaborators? You worked with them already, so you had connections with them. How did that go when you approached them about helping you write this book? Um, everyone was really, really excited about the project. Um, you know, people knew about my book, um, when, when I described the vision to them, uh, they totally got it. They instantly got it. And they basically said, look, you know, if your book is, you know, for CEOs and maybe for, um, executives that want to be CEOs, this is a book that's for not just executives and CEOs, but this is for anyone that wants to become an executive. And, you know, I think each one of them um, viewed their section as, you know, part an opportunity to tell their story, but part as an opportunity to pay it forward. Uh, and, you know, the, the CMO section, which is great. I mean, all the, I think all the sections are great. Um, you know, if you're in a marketing department somewhere and you're five years out of college and you think, you know, what's, what's not my next career step, but three career steps from now, maybe I could be the head of marketing somewhere. What are the things that I'm going to have to learn? between now and then to, to do the job? And how should I steer my own career to do that? So I think everyone was very excited about, um, you know, sort of telling a, a, a uniform story around that. And um, the, co- the collaboration process was really fun. Um, you know, each, each uh, author wrote his or her own section, but we collaborated very heavily upfront on the outline. So what are the topics we're gonna cover? Um, Everybody read all of the things that I wrote and marked that up. I read each of the sections and marked them up. Uh, each section we had outside readers contribute as well. So uh, not just the 
author, but they went to other people that they had worked with in the past and said, hey, can you take a look at this, make sure you think I covered everything and, and got it balanced. And um, so there were a lot of contributors in the end of the book. And it's I think it's going to be a great resource. You're now running a new company and some of these people are, are at Bolster with you. So can you tell us more about Bolster? What's what's Bolster's mission? Yeah, so Bolster is a, uh, a marketplace for on-demand executive talent. We are a place that startup CEOs can come to find very, very specific talent for their organizations. Um, all of the talent in our marketplace is executive level. So they're all people that um, we've kind of vetted as an experienced senior executive. And what we really help CEOs do is either fill in holes on their executive team with fractional or interim leadership. We don't really do full-time placement. We'll help them connect to coaches and mentors. And that could be a coach or a mentor for the CEO, um, him or herself, or for someone on the team. Right, You have a head of HR and you want them to get better at something, you're going to find a really experienced chief people officer and bolster to come help them. Um, we also do uh, searches for independent board members. So if you're a, a CEO um, of a, an early stage or even a mid-stage growth company, bolster is the place that uh, we want you to go to start, kind of start any search, like anytime you need to think about executive level talent, yourself or your board. Um, so we have a whole set of software tools in addition to the marketplace around that. And actually, regarding your software tools, uh, one thing you include in the book are a lot of examples from your recent experience at Bolster in terms of the tool set you use. So QuickBooks, Gusto, HubSpot. Uh, yes, right. All the corporate, the uh, run. The <laughs> yeah. Right. And I'm curious, actually, on that note, if these are meant to be guidelines and best practices or if these are simply examples of a good set of tools. Not necessarily best practices. More, um, we thought that would be an interesting thing to include because uh, we were we were just setting the company up while we were writing the book. And one of the things that struck us, particularly uh, my co-founder Jack, because he and I started Return Path together in 1999, it struck us how different it is starting a company now than it was 20 years ago. And you know, in the in the 90s, we spent an enormous amount of money and an enormous amount of time. Um, installing all these software systems and building out a data center and servers and this, that, and the other thing, you don't have to do any of that now, right? Mm -hmm. you, you can start a company now by stitching together a bunch of free SaaS applications or startup package, very inexpensive SaaS applications, spin up servers on Amazon Web Services, you know, and you can be off to the races. So uh, Jack thought it'd be fun to just kind of document that for people who are uh, uh, thinking about starting a business now. Back in the 90s, you used to be able to go raise a seed round or a series A with a PowerPoint, a good idea, maybe a technical co-founder to travel along with you. And now you actually build out your pilot product. You actually talk to customers. You have a functional working thing before you really start raising. And I'm, I'm curious how that shift happened from your perspective and what led to that shift. I think probably a couple of things. One is, um, you know, per our last conversation, it's a lot faster and cheaper to start something now. Um, you know, when you don't have to start by buying a server and putting it in a data center, um, but you start by getting free Amazon web credits, um, you know, it, there's just a lot less friction in, in starting a company. Um, and, you know, in the, the last 20 or 25 years have seen um, a, a startup revolution. And there, there is now a whole generation of people that that know how to do startups 
um, that have been part of startups. And, and uh, you know, that culture is a lot more prevalent. It's, it's a lot more global and a lot more national. It's not limited to Silicon Valley or, you know, a little pocket here or there. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the, the, the whole game has changed. But the fundraising game is very different too. What, right, what we used to call a Series A is like a seed round now or a pre-seed round. Um, you know, companies are getting Series A's that look more like the Series B's and Series C's of, of 20 years ago. So, you know, every, everything evolves. Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me. Tune in next week for the second part of our conversation with Matt Bloomberg, author of Startup CXO. Thanks for listening today to the Spark Plug Podcast, hosted by me, Ned Hayes, and brought to you by Snowshoe, snow.sh, for smarter mobile location. Spark Plug is a wholly owned property of Snowshoe. All content, copyright, 2021, Spark Plug Media.